Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Gratitude, the nothing personal word of the day today, January 25th, 2021 is gratitude. The amount of gratitude I feel, which is not a, a uh, an easy emotion to talk about. It's when you realize that you can't do something alone and you feel so thankful to people who help you accomplish simply what you did not think was possible. When I did the show, Nothing Personal, Coca and I finished on Wednesday, last Wednesday, I don't know the date, Today's Monday, so I guess that would be the 20th. Uh, I had not been feeling well at all starting Tuesday, so I went to get tested, which is what you're supposed to do when you feel like you have COVID symptoms. I had a backache, I had chills, and I had fever. Went to get tested, and as I was about to go on CBS Sports HQ on Wednesday night to talk about something that was going on in baseball, I can't remember what it was, I got a call uh, that I had tested positive for COVID. What happens when you test positive? We've been talking about COVID for a year on this show. The world has been talking about it for over a year. And the fear of COVID can sometimes be worse than actually having COVID. That's what I thought. I spent a year convincing myself I didn't want to get it because it was dreaded and scary and you could die. And I've got all these plans. I'm a planner. I've got great things coming ahead in the next few months, few years, few decades. I really, it was a very inconvenient time to die, as Harold Crick would say in Stranger Than Fiction. And I wanted to tell you what goes in your mind when you get the call that says you are positive. You go to the darkest, most severe place possible, and you go there immediately without passing go without collecting $200. You start taking your pulse oximeter every two minutes instead of every five. You take your temperature every eight minutes instead of every 20. You start drinking liquids, you start having soup, and you get into the fetal position and you decide what now. And the position I was in is a position that everybody's in who's been diagnosed with COVID that you have no idea what symptoms you're gonna have. You have no idea, should you pack a hospital bag? When do you go to the hospital? When do you call your doctor? When do you go to the emergency room? Who are you gonna tell that you have COVID? Is there some sort of uh, view that people will have of you? Will they look at you differently? Will they interact with you differently? Does this mean if I recover that I can then resume normal activities that I can get my life back? And that was one minute into the call from the doctor. I was given a laundry list of things to buy, vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, make sure your pulse ox is not below 95. You're gonna need 10 days and expect a call from your local authorities. So I got that phone call from the local authorities, which came in the 
form of an email saying you are isolated for 10 days. Do you need any food? I then called Coca, told him what was going on, and decided that I needed to take at least Thursday and Friday off. I then made the decision that I was going to tell you because the thing about nothing personal is that I have this relationship with you that you have been so giving to me and allowing me in your life for 45 minutes every day that I felt I was letting you down by not doing the show. And I owed it to you to tell you the truth because that's what nothing personal is. I will always tell you the truth about what's going on in the world of sports or business or politics or entertainment. And to not tell you the truth about what's going on with COVID with me would be disingenuous and I wasn't going to do it. I've been criticized by a few people for being public on Twitter with updates, telling you what was happening. And I didn't take that personally. I don't take any of it personally. It's nothing personal. I felt as though you understanding why businesses and leagues and commissioners and parents and children are going through the mental anguish they're going through, why there has been such a change in the world in this past year that I wanted to give you a firsthand view. Everything I was feeling, every time I was feeling it. Since Wednesday, there have been tremendous ups and downs. Last night, after I decided to come back and do a show and Coca gave me permission to do it, all of a sudden I had shortness of breath, my chest felt tight, and knowing the difference between anxiety and actual COVID symptoms has proven to be incredibly difficult. There are certain symptoms that are clear when you take your temperature, when you take your pulse ox, when you have no sense of taste or smell, which by the way, on a side note, Coca is staggering. I am a candy addict. I haven't had a piece of candy since Wednesday. I've been having soup from Katz's some homemade soup. I've been having some cereal. I've been spraying cologne on my body every 10 minutes to see whether I can smell it. I've been pounding Listerine strips like they're Tic Tacs, trying to see if I can taste it. I have different bottles of Gatorade, different flavors. There is zero taste. It is the most amazing thing to lose your taste actually and smell. Losing your smell is fine. I don't particularly enjoy going to a floral patch. I'm not the guy who walks around a department store asking people to spray my wrist so I can smell the different colognes. I don't like smelling as a concept, but taste is different. Taste is something that I rely on. Taste is something that helps me know whether something's good for me or bad for me. The better it tastes, the worse it is for me. It has been very strange not having taste. It has been very enlightening to me having all of you reach out the way you have, wanting me to get better, giving me ideas. The suggestions I've gotten from listeners about things to do to feel better have been great. The exercises, the breathing exercises, which I've been doing religiously. You can hear me maybe right now. I don't know if you can hear it. I have a, a bit of a wheeze, but that is... I don't know if that's COVID. I don't know if that's nerves, anxiousness. 
I'm just happy to be back with you today. I'm going to do shows this week because I love you and I love doing the shows. But I promise if I don't feel well, Coco will not let it happen. The business side of COVID is interesting. CBS called and said, whatever you need, take the time you need, get better. But if you can't do a show Monday, we're going to have to do something to populate your feed because you're falling in the rankings. But get better. Don't do a show if you can't do it. But we got to do something because your listeners are loyal. Well, that is true. So here I am. When you're the commissioner of baseball or basketball or football, I now have a very unique understanding as to why they need the show to go on and why, unless you've had COVID, you don't understand what it is to not be able to post. And the interesting thing is I've told you when injuries happen physically to players, I was less than understanding. When Christian Yelich had back issues, I didn't want to hear it. When pitchers had arm issues, I didn't want to hear it. Just go pitch, go play. Until I started having some of those injuries when I was preparing for marathons or I would hurt my back, which I did, and I apologize to Yelich. When I would hurt my Achilles and I was apologetic to anyone who had an Achilles injury or when my big toe hurt and I would make fun of Patrick Mahomes who had turf toe and say, get out there and play. And then I hurt my big toe and realized I couldn't walk, forget play football. The thought that I would want any of my players to have COVID, of course, is not accurate. I wouldn't want anyone to have COVID, but I would want them to be super careful. And if they got COVID, I would blame them for getting it and for being irresponsible. I would find them. This is what I thought I would do until I got COVID and I have no idea how I got it. I was careful, I wore masks, but here it is. So when unions are trying to represent their players or when unions are trying to represent their employees, I was thinking a lot this weekend about the flight attendant union or the pilot's union where they're stuck in a cockpit or stuck on an airplane or when people are first responders or bagging groceries or delivering packages and I'm sitting here quarantined for a year thinking I've got it hard. Leagues spend their time making commercials, congratulating those who are first responders and helping, et cetera. But they're doing it from a place of, of what's the word, Coca? I'm back. I can't think of a word. They're doing it because it's the right thing to do. We're told we have to feel empathy. We're told we have to thank people. But when you don't understand what they're experiencing and you don't understand the risk they're taking, can you really fully thank them? Well, I'm on the other side now, and I can tell you that I was doing the same thing. I was raising money for charity, for racial inequality, yet I'm the most privileged person I know. Never having experienced what people have experienced who are in a position of being threatened because of their color. Raising money for people impacted by COVID when I had no idea because I hadn't suffered it. I would tell you that you can't understand what it is to be in someone's shoes until you're in them and I'd always believe that and I still believe it and now I know it is true. You don't wanna get COVID. 
I don't know what the future will be now that I have COVID. I don't know what the impact will be. I don't know how my heart is. It feels fine. I don't know how my breathing or lungs will be compromised. They feel okay. I just feel a general sense of fatigue. I feel as though I have a flu. So I understand why people who never had it would say, it's just the flu, get over it. The difference is when you have the flu, you your mind doesn't go to the place where it goes when you have COVID because of what we read and what we see. People have been contacting me, Coca. Someone contacted me yesterday whose 35-year-old daughter got COVID and four days later just died healthy, passed out in an airport and then died. We don't know. What's frustrating and upsetting to me about our government's reaction to COVID is that it became political. Why is that? This is an absolute immunological disease. That may not be a word, by the way, Coca. Can you check on that? Are you out of practice, Coca? I know you. I've missed you for a few days. Immunological? I'm not sure that's actually anything. But that is what COVID is. It's not political in any way. It doesn't matter if you're tall, short, white, black, brown, old or young. What matters is the people who have the best opportunity to get care and the best opportunity to get treatment and the best opportunity to get supplements, all the things that I'm able to get so easily that so many people have been contacting me with COVID who just had to cross their fingers and pray to God that they would get through it. I don't think it's the job of leagues to stop play, but I do think it's the job of management to understand that they have to do more than what they're doing now to protect their employees. And they have to do everything possible to make sure that any sick employee gets the proper care. It's not that CBS hasn't taken care of me. I don't have my insurance through them. I buy it on my own. I'm an independent contractor. But what about the people who don't have any health insurance? What about the people who have no access? What about the people who go to the hospital because they're sick and get turned away or go to the hospital and can't afford medical bills and end up in debt? It breaks my heart. And this is not me telling you that all of a sudden I'm a bleeding heart all the way on the left liberal. I've never told you where I stand on the spectrum. It's me saying that the world is simply not fair. Why is it that I have a chance to recover as quickly as I have? And I'm not sure I'm completely recovered by any stretch. I'm not sure that if it weren't for this show that I'd be anything other than in bed in the fetal position under the covers right now. It is impossible to live in a world or in a community where everyone has access to the same privileges. Everyone has access to the same treatment. That's not the way of the world. Some people have greater talent than others. Some people have greater opportunity than others. Some people have greater responsibility than others. What do you do with that position of privilege? That's what separates the successes from the failures. I've been dealing with guilt for the past five days, the guilt of privilege that I've dealt with my whole life, thinking about what it is to have the life that I have. 
and how I can do everything possible to the point of night sweats, to the point of not sleeping, feeling the guilt. And it's not because I was born on third base and think I had a triple. I was born on third base and I said I was born on third base. The question is, how do I get as many people to third base with me? And how do I get myself home every time? Or how do you get yourself to believe that when you're born on third base, that you didn't hit a triple, but that you're still at the plate and that you so badly want to hit a triple again? That's the gift that I was given by my upbringing. The gift of being born on third is not a gift the gift of knowing what to do once you're on third, that's the gift. And for people who are born at the plate, who are born in a position where they can never get at bat, how do you make it so you put yourself in the best possible position, given the circumstances that you have to change the things that you can change, to improve the things you can improve, and to accept the things that you cannot change? Right now, we are in the middle of a pandemic that could end up an endemic. There are businesses everywhere trying to figure out the best way to both survive and take care of their employees. They are in a position right now where they are saying, what do we do? So Roger Goodell, who I have criticized mercilessly on this show for pressing forward with reckless abandon, got his league to a Super Bowl, brought smiles to millions of people in Tampa, in Kansas City, around the country, around the world, thinking that there was some amount of normalcy, but at what cost? Players get hurt. This is, uh, this is when it happened for me, Coca, watching the game yesterday. There was an offensive lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs, very good offensive lineman, and he got hurt. His name is Eric Fisher. Thank you, Coca. Heard his Achilles. Off the field, next guy up. That's it. Kansas City keeps going. And I was thinking that two weeks from now, Mahomes will play in the Super Bowl. And Eric Fisher will not be there. And his name won't be called by Jim Nance and Tony Romo. CBS has the Super Bowl, by the way. How happy, Coke, on a side note, side note here. CBS right now is so happy. It's a dream come true. Tom Brady against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. There were people talking about how the small markets are in the Super Bowl, Tampa and Kansas City and how in other sports it can't happen, even though Tampa was in the World Series. In football, it's far more... Everyone is on a far more equal footing, though Tampa and Kansas City are clearly smaller market teams because that's the definition of a small market team is the size of your market, not the success of your team. It is the size of your market. If it were the Rays against the Royals in the World Series, they're both American League, can't happen, but just pretend it could, there would be a level of despondency in baseball that would be hard to, for you to understand. When the Yankees played the Marlins in the World Series, Bud Seeley was despondent because he wanted two big markets in the World Series, wanted the Cubs against the Yankees or the Cubs against the Red Sox. Having the Marlins in was no help because it doesn't help TV. In football, Roger Goodell doesn't have that issue at all. 
It doesn't matter who plays in the Super Bowl. It could be the teams from New York. It could be the teams from LA. It could be the teams from Tampa and Kansas City. The NFL is star-driven and the two biggest stars are in the Super Bowl. The equivalent in baseball would be if Mike Trout faced up against, who's the biggest star? Who are the two biggest stars in baseball by social media following, by popularity? It's, it's so terrible that you can't name them. I guess it would be Aaron Judge against Mike Trout, the Yankees against the Angels. Baseball is such more a team-driven sport than, than football, which is far more individual-driven. CBS got the two top individuals in the game today, Brady and Mahomes, period. The Bills were a good story, no question about it. But Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes are the story. Tom Brady's been in 10 out of 55 Super Bowls. It's un, it's unheard of, actually. Patrick Mahomes at 25 already has a Super Bowl MVP, already has a Super Bowl ring. People are saying this would be the equivalent of LeBron facing Jordan in the NBA Finals. I guess that's true if LeBron were having won a title already, having won an MVP already. So it'd have to be LeBron deep in his career against Jordan deep into his career. Mahomes is so far away from being Brady that he can't even see him from here. Mahomes is 18 years younger than Brady. Don't start talking about Mahomes like he's the GOAT. It's not even close. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback, the greatest NFL player in history, and there's no one even close. And don't give me your mentions that Brady had a bad game and Rodgers is the MVP. Rodgers had a better game. Aaron Rodgers is not in the same sentence as Tom Brady. And I am a Packer guy. I am a Wisconsin guy. He's not in the same sentence category as Tom Brady. Now, there are very few quarterbacks in the same category as Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers is not in the same category as Tom Brady. Terry Bradshaw is not in the same category. Joe Montana, Phil Simms, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning. Tom Brady has his own category. What I would like you to realize is that Tom Brady and I tweeted this yesterday because someone tweeted it and I retweeted it, has the same number of NFC championships as Aaron Rodgers. Think about that concept. The same number of NFC championships. I didn't say AFC, NFC. He just got to the NFC under a year ago. How many NFC championships does Drew Brees have, Coca? Another... Hall of Famer who retired along with Philip Rivers. How many NFC championships does Breeze have? I think he may only have one Super Bowl. Did he lose a Super Bowl or he's only been in one Super Bowl, Coca? Can you tell me? I can't hear you. Drew Breeze has, he won a Super Bowl. But has he lost a Super Bowl, Coca? So he's one and no. Okay. Therefore, Drew Breeze has the same number as Aaron Rodgers, who has the same number as Tom Brady pretending Tom Brady never played in the AFC. It's, it's unheard of. I kept thinking of Bill Belichick last night. I kept thinking about what he and Robert Kraft were thinking, watching Tom Brady, realizing that Tom Brady wasn't finished, that they had just done a bad job of surrounding him with talent. Tampa Bay didn't do a bad job at bringing in Fournette and Gronkowski, improving their defense. Oh, but wait a minute, Coca. Everyone said Brady's finished. 
That was me. Everyone said Brady is on a team that won't make it. That was me. Everyone said that Brady threw three interceptions and Rodgers had a better game. Brady's the better quarterback. That was not me. Brady may have had three interceptions. No doubt about that. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the Super Bowl. Three-point underdogs to the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not making my pick right now, Coco. I'm not willing to make it. I got to see how Mahomes' turf toe is. I want to see how his concussion is. Yeah, that wait to see was a winner. Did anyone really think that Patrick Mahomes was not going to play in yesterday's game? Just give me a small break. So I want to talk about one bit of business here in the uh, in the games yesterday. A lot of criticism by me and everybody else that Aaron Rodgers was taken off the field and he was taken off the field at the end of the game. Field goal was attempted with two minutes left. And Matt LaFleur, the coach of the Packers, said it didn't work out, so it was a bad decision. But at the time, I had four timeouts, three plus the two-minute warning. I wanted to be down five, have a defensive stop because our defense was playing well. If you're playing week four against Matt Coca at quarterback, I'm in. When you're in the NFC Championship against Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, you do not give him the ball. The best way to stop Derek Jeter from beating the Marlins in game six of the World Series when we had a two-run lead was for him not to be at the plate. Because if he is at the plate, we're going to lose. In baseball, you can predict who's at the plate because there's a damn batting order. In football, you can control who's got the ball if you don't give up the ball. In football, you have to give up the ball either on downs or when you score. When you score, you can choose to either score three or try to score seven or eight. To me, it was a no-brainer. You do not give the ball back to Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers was asked about it, and he held a press conference. And it's very difficult for players. One thing that we never protected our players from in the postseason was having to meet the media right after a game. That is a problem with the media today is that we expect players to speak immediately after a game, no matter what, win or lose. And my 30-minute rule gets violated every time players have to meet the media. And the 30-minute rule was violated. Aaron Rodgers met the media. And here's what happened. He said, it wasn't my decision. He's right. It wasn't his decision. But from a Packer organization that needs to show unity, that shows that he was not in agreement with the decision of Matt LaFleur, nor should he have been. But you don't want to show that kind of fracture, especially with a successful young coach, which is what Matt LaFleur has been. Matt LaFleur then said, anytime you make a decision that doesn't work out, you regret it. That's not what I want my coach to say. And if I had time to counsel my coach before meeting the media, which you never have time to do after a game, especially an emotional game, I would have told Matt LaFleur to say the decision was made for the following seven reasons, because in analytics, decisions are made that way. Except what if that hadn't been an analytic decision? What if Matt LaFleur, LaFleur simply made the wrong decision and his GM and owner went downstairs to that clubhouse after the game and said, Matt, what are you, Kevin Cash? You can't take out your starter who's pitching so well in a must-win game. 
You can't give the ball back to Tom Brady still needing a touchdown. You stand up there and you tell your fans in the media that the decision you made was wrong, not because it didn't work out. It would have been wrong even if we had won the game. I look back at that decision and say that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. And when you only need one or two first downs, you cannot give up the ball. I don't really know what the result will be of that coaching mistake by LaFleur, other than he's going to keep coaching the Packers, much like Kevin Cash is going to keep coaching the Rays because time has a way of making everyone feel just a little better about a situation that has occurred. So we're going to move forward now, and I want to conclude this part of the program before we go to break, because after the break, we're going to talk about Tiger, and we're going to talk a little bit of baseball. But before we go to break... I want to just put a tie and around the COVID part of this show because I got sidetracked by the Super Bowl because I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited that CBS has the Super Bowl. And the tie is this little bow tie, just a little, a little nugget for you. When people are trying to protect you from something that is of unknown origin and of unknown consequence, and they're trying to protect you in a way that also increases their own financial interests. Don't necessarily be cynical. I'm trying to protect everyone from COVID because when it's about business for me, I want people to be able to do their jobs and to do their jobs, I want them to be healthy. When I'm trying to protect players from getting COVID, it's because I want games to happen because it's critical for me. But I'm also trying to protect them from something that I don't quite know about, that I'm sort of fearful of. But when I'm doing that, the cynic in you that I've taught you to be should recognize that I'm also doing it out of ignorance because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Now that I've had COVID and now that I have it currently, I have a completely different view, which is while business matters way more than anything else, it's always been number one to me, to the detriment of everything else in my life. I've wanted to succeed in business, run a team, succeed in whatever I was doing on or off a field with total reckless disregard toward anything else, toward anything going on off the field. You got family issues, I don't care, go play. You're having a fight with your parents, I don't care, go play. You don't feel great, I don't care, go sell sponsorships. It's pathetic to think that way. Because right now, I feel like complete ass. And the reason I'm doing the show is because of dopamine, because of adrenaline, because of ego, because of care, because of appreciation. I'm not going to stay silent with you. I'm going to keep going till I drop. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. 
Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is David Sampson. Thank you. The worst part about COVID for me is that I couldn't watch as many movies as I wanted. Everyone was giving me great suggestions. I had such a splitting headache that I sat there in the dark in the fetal position for a majority of the time, staring at blank walls, staring at the inside of my eyelids, trying to sleep, couldn't sleep, waking up at three in the morning. And it's amazing. Some people have this fatigue. I had this amazing sense of fatigue, but I couldn't fall asleep. I did get a few in. One of them was Tiger. Tiger is a perfect documentary to talk about because of the theme of today's show. The theme of today's show is of me being a miserable bastard and demanding that people do whatever they have to do to perform because we are in the entertainment business, whether you run a team or do a podcast. Do your job. Tiger's a documentary that was not two-part documentary, three hours. It's on HBO. Tiger did not participate. Tiger's agent did not participate. Tiger's family did not participate. You had interviews from Tiger's old caddy. You had interviews from Tiger's old girlfriend, Tiger's old friends. Anybody who was involved in Tiger's life, who was then not involved in Tiger's life, are the people who are in this documentary. The story of Tiger Woods is a known story raised as a child to be a prodigy, told that he would be Gandhi by his father, more important than Dr. Martin Luther King, more significant than Mahatma Gandhi, told that with a golf club, he would change the world. And he was a kid. I started thinking about all the documentaries I've watched about the gymnastic, the gymnasts, the child actors, the child prodigies, all of whom end up in some way or another completely screwed because they had no ability to either be children, act like children, develop like children, and were forced into an adult world because we as consumers pay money to watch people grow and then to make sure they fall and then to prop them up again so they win. It's like they are characters in our own play of life. 
Monsters are created by parents because there is money and fame and fortune. Success is followed by failure because that's the greatest American story of all time. We're going to build you up and then cheer you as you fall and then cheer for you to win again. The biggest most emotional part of the Tiger documentary is when he came back to win the 2019 Masters. And the documentary does a very good job of going through his rise, his fall, and then his rise again. I felt so dirty watching the Tiger documentary that I had to shower when it was done. Of course, I was also showering because that's a good thing to do when you have COVID, get in a hot shower, sit in the steam. And I did it. And I thought about this documentary. And what I thought about was, how do I stop myself from being the cause of what happens so negatively to all these people? And I realized that I can't do it. There are certain people whose lot in life is to be the entertainment for others. There are certain people whose lot in life is to be the best at what they do and they're willing to pay the price, but they don't realize how heavy the price is. We always would call it the cost of fame. It's the cost of fame, the cost of greatness. All of the great artists who I studied, Van Gogh, all of the great artists who had terrible lives, no success, we don't care. We want to look at their art. All the musicians who have drug addiction, who die young, we don't care. We want to listen to their music. All the comedians and actors from John Belushi to Philip Seymour Hoffman, we mourn their death, but we don't care because we want to be entertained when they're alive because there's always someone ready to come next. John Belushi turned 72 yesterday. It made me sick. The fact that he had to die at 33, and all I do is watch his stuff and cheer and thank for his entertainment. The guilt, the guilt, the guilt, the guilt. And you know what's going to change? Nothing. There will be more child prodigies in art, in music, in theater, in movies, in sports. There'll be more parents like Earl Woods who will drive their child to success at the cost of their entire life. It's not going to change. You want to watch Tiger the documentary, you watch it. If you for one second make fun of Tiger Woods because of the way he ran his life or because of his desire, both on and off the course, then you have no understanding that he was programmed to do everything he did there's not one part about Tiger Woods life that should be a surprise to any of you because you were all a part of creating it just like I was. What did I miss in MLB, Coca? I know I did miss that. I missed the Yankees. All right, here's the deal with the Yankees, folks. Brian Cashman is making moves that he is making because he is under financial constraints. The moves he's making by signing Corey Kluber and now trading for Jameson Tyon are not moves made by a team who is trying to win a World Series. They are made 
by teams who are trying to be like the Tampa Bay Rays or the Miami Marlins, where you don't have a lot of flexibility and you are asking your baseball people to find me the comeback player of the year. You've heard me say this on Nothing Personal many times. I don't need people in scouting and development to tell me to sign Trevor Bauer or Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. I need people in player development and scouting to tell me to trade for Jameson Tyone and to tell me to sign Corey Kluber. And then I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that I got it right. I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that I got it right and I hired good baseball people. The baseball people who add value by bringing me players who are candidates for comeback of the year. It's what I would always tell the baseball guys. The most important trophies, individual trophies in baseball for a team like the Marlins are rookie of the year and comeback player of the year. I need players who are going to outperform their contracts. The Yankees should not be operating that way because of their revenue and because of their TV deal, because of their market size. But these are not normal times. This is the time of COVID. The Yankees need to act like the Rays because the Yankees do not have the money or the ability to be the Yankees because it is not a normal playing field at the moment. Can you imagine what your reaction would be to the Yankees in a normal season with 100% capacity if the best stuff they did in the offseason was re-sign LeMahieu and bring in Kluber and Jameson to be their number two and three starters behind Garrett Cole? You would be angry, frustrated, and despondent, and you'd be right. I don't know what's going to be with the Yankees, but I can only tell you that it is highly unlikely in my mind that they have improved their team since last season. And their team last season was good enough to make it to October, but not good enough to get through October. And that very well could be the same situation again, but we just don't know. The other story that happened was Michael Brantley. He's not the real story. The story was how Michael Brantley followed George Springer to Toronto. The Toronto Blue Jays, the corporate-owned Blue Jays, were stepping up. They signed a top free agent last year in Ryu, pitcher. They signed a top position player this year, Springer. And they were bringing in Brantley, too. And the media was all excited. The fans were all excited going through the lineup of what the Blue Jays could be. And then one moment later, Michael Brantley had re-signed with the Houston Astros for two years, $32 million. What in the hell happened? What happened is what players do before Twitter, all this happened without you knowing it. Now leaks are so commonplace. They're not even leaks anymore. It's just that everyone knows what everyone's doing. What we would tell a player and what Houston told Brantley is, listen, here's where we are. If you can do better, let me know, and we'll either tell you immediately if we can match it or not. Brantley got an offer from the Blue Jays. He told them, I think I'm in. I'll be right back. Goes back to the Astros. Astros say, hey, we'll match your previous contract. Remember, Michael Brantley signed in 2019 to 32 over two years. 
and he just signed another 32 over two years. So it's the equivalent of him having gotten a four-year, $64 million deal from the Houston Astros back in 19, which would have been a very healthy deal for Michael Brantley back in 2019. But he's earned it. He's played it. He's played up to it. It is not abnormal for a player to go back to his original team because he doesn't want to move himself or his family doesn't want to move to Canada or to another team. It's not abnormal to say, hey, match it. And it's not abnormal for a team to say, I'm going to match it. And that's all that happened. But word just leaked out way too soon. I kept giving you the pick of the day, Coca. Back on Wednesday, we had the Warriors beating the Spurs and we won that, just so you know. And so our pick of the day was a win back on Wednesday. Do the picks that I had for yesterday count, even though they were not part of a nothing personal Coca? Because I had the Bills and I had the Packers. So if Coca is going to make me count them and he's going to say they count because I gave them out publicly, I guess that's true. I did. I tweeted them. So I'm now nine and 12. I'm going to go back to the NBA. Interesting thing going in the NBA this year, the series that are happening because of travel. So the Nets are playing the Heat again. The Nets beat the Heat. We have not spoken enough about the big three in New Jersey because they're in Brooklyn. Thank you, Coca. But we will. Nets game two in their series against the Heat are favored by seven and a half. The big three in Brooklyn are going to beat the Heat again. We are nine and 12. Nets over the Heat. Okay. I want to talk about a wait to see. A little personal wait to see is wait to see there'll be a show tomorrow. I'm going to see how I feel after today to tell you the truth. So we've been going now for about 40 minutes or so, and I'm tired. I admit it, but I'm going to get rest, and we're going to be back at it tomorrow. I gave you a wait to see on December 14th. CBS did something yesterday, Coca. We're going to go a little long right now. I'm sorry. They released a tape of Tony Romo in week 12 saying the Chiefs and the Bucks who had just played each other and the Chiefs had beaten the Bucks 27-24, he said this could very well be your Super Bowl matchup. Is there another AFC game that Tony Romo did where another team was playing, let's say Buffalo, and said this could very well be the Super Bowl matchup? I'm not taking the time to go through every minute of commentary, but people say a lot of things and when you get one thing right, that ends up being right. You just take that clip and all of a sudden that was right. And you are the prognosticator. And Tony may never have said that anybody else was going to be in the Super Bowl other than Kansas City and Tampa, in which case that is brilliant. But he also may have said that other teams may have been in the Super Bowl and they're not, but we're not going to play those tapes for you. That's the manipulation of the media, right? Well, part of way to see is I'm not going to manipulate the media. I'm not going to manipulate you because you are who I care about. And I'm humbled by how much you care about me. Believe it or not, I had no idea. I really didn't. I really didn't. You have no idea how much it means to me to get your good wishes. You really don't. And your loyalty for nothing personal. You really don't. But when I do a wait to see, which is when I tell you something's going to happen, if it doesn't, I'm going to revisit it. Every last one of them. DJ LeMahieu is going to sign a four-year deal with the Yankees. Nope. He signed a six-year deal. That was December 14th. I got it wrong. On January 20th, I said Patrick Mahomes is going to start the AFC Championship. Concussion protocol be damned, and he did. 
That's a yes. My wait to see today is that while the Blue Jays did get Springer, the Blue Jays cannot be done this offseason because they're not good enough to win. And if you're going to go shin deep into the waiting pool of free agency to try to win a division, you might as well go waist deep. You might as well get a snorkel and go neck deep. The Blue Jays are going to sign or trade for another starting pitcher before the 2021 season, because if they don't, then signing Springer and Ryu is a simple waste in the American League East. Wait to see the Blue Jays are not done, because when you're all in, you got to be all in, because you know exactly how it goes. Thank you very much. That's the show. We did a show, Coca. Just remember, it's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.